When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you, JP, in for Patricia until one. Bernie takes your calls and comments right now on 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And what a great weekend. Sunshine right across Cork and huge crowds turned out for the Mallow Home and Gardens Festival at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow. So well done to all involved there, proudly supported by C103. And the Fast and Film Festival as well, which was on in Skull. Huge crowds descending on Skull and the Mizzen across the weekend and also some big movie names in there as well so congrats to Hilary uh, Pauline and the gang for another successful Fastnet Film Festival and great also to see queues early on a Saturday morning and this was an Akista uh, for Graham Norton's quiz, which will take place later this summer. But people were up early on Saturday morning to purchase tickets for that quiz, of course, uh, all for charity. But again, great to see people out and about enjoying the sunshine. So a good weekend for all, but not for everyone, because you would have seen uh, the queues yesterday on TV and on social media for those who were at Dublin Airport. Many outside the Dublin Airport trying to get on an aeroplane, but unfortunately many did not now I did know a few people who were in those queues and luckily they did make their flights and they made their destination but that wasn't the case for everyone I mean, I was saying to Ken there earlier uh, on the breakfast show, on the show preview, that uh, one family who were travelling from Derry and did land in Dublin Airport, but unfortunately the plane that they wanted to get on was gone by the time they got into the airport. They were going to Birmingham to see Harry Styles in concert and their two children, the disappointment in their faces when they realised that they were not going to be getting on that plane, not going to see, I presume, which they are major fans of Harry Styles in concert. Instead, they were looking at the ducks in St. Stephen's Green so it just shows the reality and the impact while we see everybody queuing up while we hear people have missed their flights that's the impact it has on families and how many other people had been looking forward to the breakaway it could be a week or two weeks planning everything getting ready last Friday for either if they're in an office putting on the out of office on their emails or if they're working elsewhere getting ready to make sure everything is okay while they go on their holidays and the excitement and the build up to a holiday and then you get to the airport 
and you realise your flight is going to depart without you and you're going back home and many people who should have been away sitting on a beach somewhere today are back in their homes uh, with uh, full of disappointment and even though the DAA are going to uh, I suppose compensate people it might be the, the best they can do but it's not going to really keep people happy considering that they have missed out on their holiday and they might not be able to get another holiday uh, for the next few months uh, the DAA have come out though and said you know they've held their hands up and said the crisis did unfold and uh, they don't know how it happened is more or less what they're saying and uh, how things arrived to what they did yesterday even though a lot of those who were in the queue were telling various media outlets that surely they knew the amount of airlines that were coming into the airport over the last number of months and they should have known at this stage the capacity that would be coming to the airport it's going back to staffing issues as well but where it all ends I mean they're saying next weekend uh, there'll be even more people flying out of Dublin airport and Dublin airport themselves and DAA bosses have said that they're hoping it won't be as it was this weekend for next weekend of course which is the June bank holiday weekend and this morning the junior transport minister is going to meet with DAA officials I know the transport minister Eamon Ryan branded the whole situation as completely unacceptable and he's laid the blame squarely at airport bosses so we'll have to wait and see what happens and then we have a lot of people saying well why not go and divert the flights and uh, send the flights that are going into Dublin because everything is more or less centralised now into Dublin airport looking at the pictures yesterday it can't cope and if they can't get the staff now you know it's not going to change that much in a week unless they turn things around very fast and get everybody that's working uh, at the airport there next weekend even if they are supposed to be off uh, working on a, a time shift or indeed on annual leave that they're all working next weekend and I know we did mention this before but many again are saying it today and I don't know if this can be done uh, but looking at what has happened in Dublin, can they now divert flights to other airports so people can actually get on a plane and use the likes of us here in Cork and Shannon Airport and Farm 4 or maybe Ireland West and Knock and others around the country? I mean, a lot of people have said before that cannot be done for the simple fact that there's airspace that has to be booked and you can't just divert your flight. Uh, there's a lot more to it. It's not as simple as just saying move flights around. So not too sure if that is something they can work on or not, but it would seemingly if they could anyhow would certainly take the pressure off uh, Dublin Airport we'll have to wait and see if that can be done and I'm sure we'll be discussing that and a lot more uh, across uh, the programme today between now and one if you were affected if you were and have travelled to Dublin and the reason people are going to Dublin is because some of the flight carriers have not yet uh, gone back into regional airports Aer Lingus not fully operating out of Cork as yet uh, so some flights if you want to go to a certain destination you have no choice but to go to Dublin Airport also, uh, maybe you were in Cork Airport yesterday, TUI, uh, who were flying, I think, to Palma yesterday afternoon. They cancelled their flight. It was uh, a 10 past two flight out of Cork Airport. And just minutes before people were due to board their flight, it was cancelled. Uh, many people were there three hours before departure. And seemingly it was after three o'clock that people received an email to say that the flight was cancelled and they would uh, get a refund. Uh, the flight initially from two o'clock onwards was delayed and then eventually cancelled. The spokesperson for TUI has said that a combination of factors causing significant operational disruption resulted in the cancellation and those full refunds are expected within the next 14 days. So uh, were you due to depart Cork yesterday on that flight that was cancelled or were you at Dublin Airport queuing up, looking forward to your holiday and then you see your 
flight taking off into the sky and you're still standing on the pavement outside Dublin Airport at either of those terminals. Let us know. We'd love to speak to someone this morning who was in that situation and see and, and show the real meaning of what is left behind when everybody apologises. There is a lot of disappointment people uh, right across the country. You can call Bernie 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And with all that was going on towards the end of last week, and this might have got over- overshadowed uh, yesterday in particular, but again over the weekend due to the transport issues in our airports. Uh, this was how a number of TDs and senators, they went along to a VIP event at Punchestown Racecourse last month. It was organised by the Irish Bookmakers Association and it was the Daily Mail who broke this story. And despite a gambling bill going through the doyle at the moment, many TDs and senators still went along to this event. And I suppose the question people are asking is, could events like this influence a decision when a gambling bill is put in front of a TD or senator and then uh, as they're at an event maybe a few weeks beforehand from the Irish Bookmakers Association does that change the way they think about this gambling bill? Well we're going to speak to former Cork East Deputy Kevin O'Keefe very shortly because he did attend the event he'll be telling us what actually happened on the day and also then Thomas Gould the Sinn Féin Cork North Central TD will join us shortly because he's working on that bill and he has dealt with people and spoken to those who have had gambling addictions and they've overcome those but the reason for this bill is to deal with those situations so we'll speak with those very shortly in the programme also how one Dublin councillor wants the Irish Hotel Federation to appear before the Oireachtas uh, this is due to spiralling hotel prices across the country there's calls also for a border inspection point at the Port of Cork and we'll have advice for those starting the junior and leaving cert next week school is out for many but the state exams do start after the bank holiday weekend our guidance counsellor Roisin Kelleher will join us with advice and nutritional advice also after 12.30 with Annalisa so your views are welcome 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 a lot of people are reacting to the Dublin councillor will speak with before 11 he wants the Irish Hotel Federation to appear before the Oireachtas Committee due to spiralling hotel prices and this morning the Tónaiseli of Riker has come out and he has put a warning uh, to the hotel industry and especially those who offer any type of accommodation that there's now a risk of the higher VAT rate coming in uh, because of the price of hotel accommodation and I have examples as well that we've looked at over the last while on the cost of booking a hotel room right across the country we'll get to that very shortly but a number of TDs and senators attended an event at Punchestown Racecourse recently which was hosted by the Irish Bookmakers Association this is all happening while a gambling bill is about to go through the doyle and the fear here is if you're at this event and you're about to vote or uh, discuss this gambling bill will you be influenced after being wined and dined by the Bookmakers Association well one of those in attendance was the former Cork East Fianna Fáil Deputy Kevin O'Keefe and he joins me to discuss this this morning good morning to you Kevin good morning JP uh, first of all who invited you and why were you invited to this event well, I suppose um, I, I have been a former Rockets member. I would have been, how would you call it, um, it's known to be involved in, in, in race. Like, I, I am an avid follower of horse races. I could be at the local pint of pints to go to festival meetings, like, you know. So I would be aware of the connections involved in, in, in the race industry would know that I, I'd be a good supporter of theirs. So I suppose but I really like that. That's how I got my name. That's how we probably got invited. I was there before officially as a, a, a talk to Dala, but this time I was only there in a private capacity, like, you know. 
Yeah, and when you talk about the event, I mean, what type of event is this? Because there's a lot of speculation and a lot of coverage in the papers on this. I believe there was a free meal and a free bar. Well, look, to be honest, you know, it was a day out of the races, like, you know, um, I, I would have been there anyway, but it was a day out, you know, where the, the guests were invited to sit down, lunch and drinks and um, free race car, to be honest, you know, and uh, they would tip stills as well, like, you know, and on the day, just mingle away and good social occasion, like. So when you say a free race car, that's basically <sighs> a, a free bet on the races? No, no, God, no, 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 free bets. That was out of your own pocket. But, but you know, when I say, I mean, like, you when you go to race, you pay for a race card, like, you know, but you get the race card on the so table. they gave you that for free. No yes, free bets yes, yes, on the day. That, you yeah. still had to pay for betting. Yeah. Okay. And with the gambling bill going through, I presume there was members from the bookie side of things and also the Bookmakers Association. They were all there on the day. And were they mingling freely with you and the other politicians who attended? No, no, no. Um, basically, we sat down. There was thirty people invited from what I gathered. From what mm-hmm. I gathered, I was only a table of ten. Like and the other people I spoke to, like you know, and and as I said, like, you know, it was the Irish Bookmakers Association who who represent the independent bookmakers. Yeah. You know, the the, the high street shops out of, out of towns and and um, big villages that are still open. Like to, to, to them, to half of them, I, I, I was invited. Like you know, but I was only feeling, you know, probably um, I I, I only got a notification, but. A week before, uh, before you know, did, did I be? Would I go? Like you know, obviously, obviously, I was feeling uh, bums in the seats. Like you know, you know, as I said, like, you know, there was current politicians and there was ex-politicians there. Like, and even when I went in my time as a member of the Dáil, like, you know, there used to be um, ex-members of the Rockies in attendance also. Like you know, so it's an ongoing affair. Like this event, one the ones after, like you know, this event has been hosted by the Bookmakers Association down through the years. And many will say, though, with the gambling bill now coming through the Doyle, Kevin, that TDs and senators, current TDs and senators, that is, attending an event like this is wrong. Would you agree with so many people that are coming out and saying that across the weekend, that with the gambling bill in the Doyle, I mean, if you're at an event like this, it's very hard to look the other way and you might favour the bill in favour of the Bookmakers Association rather than the, the way the bill is designed to go. I can I, I, I fully appreciate I can see where the concerns are coming from, but I can point out to you uh, in my time in in in, in Dal like you know our own party um under our, our spokesperson at the time um, Deputy Anne Rabbit actually moved the bill to fast track the the game in that was, um amendments for for the, the bill the, the, for the, the gambling act right and, and um, there was no dissension within our party at the time like you know and I don't think what's even proposed at the moment even by um, I think James Brown is about to published the bills bills ahead like you know in, in regards to the, the act the amendments to the act and um i don't see any disconcerting voices like and more importantly even at the function like you know there was no discussion about gambling bills or, 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 or um or, or um lobbying like you know there was no lobbying on the day like you know so i wasn't aware of anything any any change that, that, that the bookmakers are, are worried about like you know but would you feel kevin that if you were still a, a td in doyle and you're sitting down and, and discussing the gambling bill it comes in front of you would it be hard not to look favorably towards the industry because of you receiving a free day out you can see how people would look at it that way well but like this too like you know if and and i think i'll tell you but put it well like you know uh there a couple of days ago when he said that he had, he's after sat down with the IFA uh, at functions like the, the IFA dinner dances, like you know, and spent four hours with a free dinner and probably free drink, like you know, and 
obviously they, they, they're not just talking about the weather like with farmers like you know and he has to go back to the door like, you know, and make his own an independent assessment and, and issues that the farmers are be lobbying for like you know i think it's the same thing like you know but would you not say you because know, the farming industry are obviously lobbying for, for various reasons this is a bit more serious when it comes to the issue of gambling and there's so many people that unfortunately suffer addiction due to gambling and that's part of this bill that this is a different affair when it comes to an association like the Bookmakers Association who are bringing politicians to a free event, whining and dining them while there is a serious bill going through the dollar that could really affect their industry and affect their business. Uh, and no doubt about it, there will be impacted like you know, but but as I said to you already, being in my time in, in the dollar and in, even in the country now, like, you know, I, I've, I've had no lobbying by the industry to, to counteract this bill being coming in, into into the chamber. Like, you know, and just remember, like you know, there are over six thousand people working in in in, 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 the, in the bookmaking industry, like you know, directly or indirectly, like, you know, and the, the bookmaking industry, the, the money that brings in at the moment is taxed, and that tax revenue helps fund. The horse racing industry and the greyhound industry in this country, like you know, where where we need to mention like the more people involved in in that they create employment in, in in the horse racing industry and the greyhound industry. So you know, look, there is concerns, and the big issue here, you know, in the in the gambling act at the moment, like you know, is to sort out the online gambling. That's where we have the problem. The gig I was at was for the Independent Bookmakers Association, which represents bookies down out high streets, be it in Mitchelstown or down in in in, in Formia, or any of the other major towns around the country, which create employment and that. And what I'm trying to say to you, like, you know, is that there is problems with the gambling industry, like, you know, and, and they, I think they would acknowledge themselves. Like, I even heard lately that your man Stuart Kinney is like a um, portrait-turned gamekeeper of the farmer head of Petty Power, like, you know, but he's not stopping. He, he doesn't want to ban gambling. Like, he wants a minimum is made, like he said. He, he's come up openly and said that. Like, so um, maybe it's a time value, but, but, but we have JP, like, you know, why is there you know the media have picked up on this gig like you know, this gig has been going on with a number of years like is it because of jealousy from some people within within this house or what like you know that we now have this comes to air like you know is it just a coincidence like you know well it could be kevin because seemingly some tds were upset that they were left out they got no invitation so you could be right with that one well i'd say i'm 99 percent right from what i've been told like you know and in, 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 in the, the, the hustlings like you know and find out what has happened like you know and that, that, that there has been um, a few one or two like people um very uh, put out like you know and couldn't understand like you know what was going on like you know and, and that they and, went and, to that, the press and maybe the, the Daily Mail who broke the story. I'm fairly sure that, that that has happened from from what I've been told. I don't know who the person is like you know, but uh, I think people are pointing fingers at one, but I don't know who it is like you know, but uh, I I think that it'll, it'll eventually be told like you know, but as I say like, you know, I I'm aware that there is it's 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 it, it sounds bad time at the moment like you know, but as I say like you know, on the day there was no discussion about gambling bills or issues within the bookmakers association. It was a social occasion. We all had a good time. I would be at the races anyway like you know, I would admit to people anyway. I know the people in the bookmakers industry like you know, I love having my flutter. And the day, and I don't go to every day back in hostels, but when I do go to races, I like to have a bit of a flutter and hostels. Like, and as I said, like, it was an enjoyable day. But there is issues that need to be addressed within um, the gambling industry in regards to regulation. And one of the areas that has to be controlled vigorously is the online gambling. There is no control at the moment. And do you feel so? This is all a storm in a teacup. I would say so. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, I cannot see the bill. I, I can't see any objection to the bill going through the dial uh, in this confirmation. 
And many large corporate companies, they would not allow staff to go to something like this as they feel that it might impact on decision making or go against company policy. Do you feel the same now should apply going forward for Oireachtas members, considering now that the bill coming forward is going to ban events like this? It'll probably happen, but I'm telling you, the, 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 the country, I don't know, it's, it's losing its character. Like, you know, if we can't have these events to go ahead, like, you know, all these are uh, just social cages, like, you know. Um, it, 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 at the end of the day, like, you know, the table we have to was supporting the racing industry indirectly, like, you know, Buntestown. Um, so if you stop banning all these, like, you know, we, we might even be able to go to the GMH soon, like, you know, with a free ticket. You know, you have to be careful, like, where you draw the line and, and, and you know, it has been clarified, with, with the, from what I gather, with the with the Congress um, members, that, that there was nothing illegal happened under the Congress legislation of disclosure of, of interest. Like you know, that there was no conflict of interest in this in, in attending this gig. Like. Okay, well, we'll wait and see if any more comes out this week from that. As we've mentioned there, they are going to look at those future events and that is going to be included in this new gambling bill. Uh, very finally, had you any winners today? No, JP, no, JP, no. I didn't okay. actually. <laughs> I had to go back another day to get the balance, the balance of the books. Okay, well, we'll wait. It, wasn't, it, it, it was an enjoyable race meeting, you know, and it was good to see people back at the racetrack again after two solid years of lockout because of the, the COVID. It's good to see people out again, able to enjoy themselves. And how was life for Kevin O'Keefe after politics? Well, life for Kevin O'Keefe is, it's, it's ironic, you know, the, the phone still rings, like, you, you'd be amazed what people would still ring me, like, you know, thinking I'm still an active politician uh, of that I, I still have the, the contacts and the, I appreciate that you know but it still rings but at the, in, in, but in doing so I'm in on the pharmacy at the moment milking I have the cows in Baylock Mitchellstown Okay Kevin well look thanks for joining us uh, this morning I know a lot of people may not have joined us uh, be, due to the subject but at least you took our call so we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us this morning Thanks JP and good to hear uh, that is uh, former Corky's deputy Kevin O'Keefe uh, who did attend that event in Punchestown last month and many people that did attend weren't openly going to speak uh, but Kevin d- d- did speak to us so we, we thank him for that for an insight into the day because many former uh, TDs and Senators did go as well but I suppose the worry is more on those who are currently sitting in the Doyle and voting on the gambling bill and just to get an insight of what was on on the day well uh, a lot of people are reacting to this first of all Mike says the gambling sector has little regard for animal welfare. Remember Mr. Elliot sitting on a dead horse after dying of heart failure? And this, uh, from being forced to its last breath, uh, this industry is bottomless. The sooner horse racing is banned, the better, says Mike on text to 0862103103. While Alan says, I agree with what you said regarding the corporate sector. I work for a big multinational and I could never attend an event like this or the event that Kevin described. So the same should apply to those who remain in the Oroctus. The same rules should apply that the multinationals have regarding those that would be in the Oireachtas because of course it will have an influence on their final decision. Your views are welcome on 0818103103 by phone or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. A lot of people also reacting on the scenes yesterday from Dublin Airport and hotel prices. We'll get to that very shortly as well. Just want to stay on this issue for the moment though because the Sinn Féin Cork North Central Deputy Thomas Gould He's actually working on the gambling bill as one of those who has brought the gambling bill to the fore. Uh, his reaction on that next. 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And just staying on this story for a moment, as many TDs and senators attended this event by the Irish Bookmakers Association last Munchestown Racecourse, we heard there about the day itself from the former Cork East Deputy Kevin O'Keefe. Well, Thomas Gould is the Sinn Féin Cork North Central Deputy. He's been working on this new gambling bill. He joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, John Now, as I mentioned, you were one at the very start of this gambling bill, to the fore on this gambling bill, because you wanted and you had met people with addictions from gambling. So you were very passionate about this going through and getting to voting stages within the Dáil. Do you feel now the government need to come out more on this as TDs who will be involved in the bill? Uh, so it will go through and into regulation. They were at this event. It could influence the way that they will look at the bill. And basically, this bill will regulate the very people who hosted this event in Punchestown further. Yes, it's really disappointing. It's it's quite shocking that just before a major piece of legislation that will finally bring gambling regulation, a regulator and a gambling control bill forward, that you have government TDs and senators and ministers um, attending a function that was organised in VIP to be winding down by the gambling industry. Um, I think it's inappropriate. I don't think this should have happened. And I think the, the Taoiseach and the Taoiseach, you know, need to come out clearly and outline the links the parties have because I don't think that this shouldn't have happened. And can I say, John Paul, I, I don't have an issue with people having the best. I don't have an issue with people going to a race course or the dog track um, or... or like for most people, having a bet is a form of entertainment. My worry and my concern is that for vulnerable people have been left down for years, over 10 years. The first bill was, was talked about by Fianna Gael in 2009. They brought forward heads of the bill in 2013. Fianna Fáil brought forward heads of the bill in 2018. And here we are now in 2022. And the question that people ask to me is, is there vested interest slowing this process down or trying to prevent it or trying to dilute it? And that's why I thought this, this goes back to the day of the Galway attention, everyone whining and dining and partying together. That's not the way you should do business as a legislator. And do you feel that this is maybe some of the reasons that the bill is delayed? Well, I, I, I can't say that without any certainty. I just don't think it's right. I think that the government are really slow on this. Like, I, I dealt with people now who've lost their homes, their, their marriage, break, their families are broken up, or people who've lost everything. You see, it, it, it's not only the person who's in the throes of gambling addiction or those with problem gambling issues, but also the effect that it has on their families. So, like, this bill, like, one of the bills that I wanted to be forward was to ban the use of credit cards. Allowing people to gamble with money they don't have, I don't believe is right. And one, that's just a start and one of the things we need to bring forward. We also need to prevent vulnerable younger people uh, getting into gambling. We need stricter age verification and we need more education. And we also need more support for counselling and for for people who are in addiction to give them the support they need to get into recovery. And how soon is the bill, so the gambling bill, from going through the Doyle and actually being brought into legislation? Well, John Paul, it should have been happening. It should have been happening this year. And my concern, though, is that we're seeing delay 
and it will be pushed over another year. They were supposed to, the government was supposed to appoint uh, a gambling regulator and then bring forward the bill in quick time. This is not happening. And like when you see these events then last week, the proceedings and set of those being wind and dying by the gambling industry. I can I say when people think of bookmakers, they think of your local bookmaker. That's not who these people are. 90% of these companies are the big international global companies like Paddy Ball, Paddy Ball, Landbrook, people like this. So this is not the local betting shop we're talking about, Ron. This is big gambling business. These are global companies and they shouldn't be in a position to even be close to influencing. Like I've met with a lot of these people, John Paul, and I met with them properly over Zoom and a proper meeting with an agenda to discuss um I suppose, the gambling control bill and where we're looking to go with this. We want a strong gambling control bill that will ensure the industry but also protect vulnerable people. So what do you say to those like the former Deputy Kevin O'Keefe who joined us and others? They feel that this, what happened at Punchestown Racecourse and everybody talking about it is just a storm in a teacup. Yeah, well, that, I think that just goes to show the attitude and... Um, that's a bygone day. Like we, we need to move on from that type of behaviour. We need to TDs and senators need to be conscious that they have to be uh, open, transparent, and everything needs to be done right. Like how could you be in, in one of these hospitality things, drinking and uh, partying for the want of a better description, uh, with members of the gambling uh, industry, and then uh, think that's appropriate? I don't think that's appropriate. Uh, these were invited guests to this. Like, um, if, if a person wants to go there on their own free will, that's no problem. But I, I think we have to be very careful that we are legislating. These are laws that we're bringing in as, as TDs and senators. We need to be, we, we need to hold a higher uh, example. That's what I mean. You'd be happy, so that events like this are now due to be banned if the bill goes through. They won't be allowed to happen anymore. So that will end anything like that we saw last month at Punchestown. Yeah, and that just goes. That's why we need this legislation. And also, Maureen Powell and Pierre Storty have legislation in relation to lobbying, which they are looking to strengthen as well. Because this had been reported as lobbying, yes, and you know, they are saying there was no discussion that took place. But like your listeners are there this morning, now, if, if they thought that gambling industry was inviting uh, TDs and senators to an event like this, I don't think, I think the vast majority of people would think this is not the way for TDs and senators to be here. Okay, I, I well, think we're above that. We'll wait and see what happens. Is there any idea, so how far off the bill is from going through, by the way? Well, you see, the problem, John Paul, is we're waiting on the government. And, like, I'm hoping now that this controversy will push the government to act quickly on this because it's being pushed down the road. And my worry now is what will happen, what happened in 2013 and 2018 is this government will either run out of time and be gone before the legislation is fully enacted. And that's, that's the big worry here. There seems to be no urgency about delivering this. And the thing is, we've, we've politicians from every party speaking about how vital these new leg- this new legislation is to protect vulnerable people. Like, like John Paul, I spoke to a lady and, uh, about this, this, how it destroyed her life, her husband's gambling addiction. And she's there now, and she contacted, contacted me last week. That, like, 
so angry with what she heard that other how the TDs were behaving because her point was when she needed the regulation, when she needed the government, there was nothing there for her. Yeah, okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens over the next few months on this uh, bill, if it will go through the dial for the moment. Uh, Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin, Cork North Central Deputy, thanks for joining us this morning on that. We're going to discuss the issue of hotel prices and why one Dublin councillor wants the Irish Hotel Federation to appear before the Rockless Committee due to hotel prices going up and up and up. That's next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. A Dublin City Councillor and a former hotel manager is calling on the Irish Hotels Federation to appear before an Oireachtas committee to explain the spiralling prices. Fianna Falls Councillor Danny Byrne joins me. Good morning to you, Danny. Hi, good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us on this. I mean, the demand for rooms is on the increase, but also the demand for prices is going up as well. And we just see prices going up and up and up. And I mean, for we're comparing here, this is from Kilkenny to London, and this is something we discussed earlier on the show when it came up, that in Kilkenny, uh, for the summer months of August, you can get a room for two nights in a four-star hotel for nearly €500. Euros. The same hotel in London, a four-star, would cost about €230. Euros. I mean, there's a huge difference there if you're considering where to go on holidays. Yeah, um, can I just say first of all, John, but I'm, I'm a Fine Gael councillor. Oh, Fine Gael, oh, sorry. I'm giving you... <laughs> it may be working together, but there's a big, a big difference in the parties. So Fine Gael councillor, so apologies for that. No, not at all. You're grand. No, we, we, we work very well with our colleagues. Um, so, yeah, I've made calls for the Hotels Federation to appear before the Oireachtas Committee. I think it would be the tourism one. So I know an Oireachtas colleague has already... Um, Ask the chairperson uh, for to facilitate that. So I think there's probably three main reasons, John Paul, for this um, hyperinflation really in hotel prices is the impact of hosting uh, refugees, um, the cost of living increases, and uh, the after effects of the COVID uh, nineteen. Like there's two hotels in Dublin that I'm personally aware of that have not reopened. One at the bottom of uh, Harcourt Street, the St Stephen's Green Hotel, and the Beacon Hotel in uh, Sandyford. So I would imagine those two hotels might have four, maybe 500 uh, bedrooms uh, each. But to be honest, um, the the really high increase in prices all in the recent past is unexcusable. I don't think there's any excuse for it. Um, you know, there's. I think this weekend it's seven, eight hundred euro for a uh, night or two nights in Dublin hotels. So it's just unsustainable prices that people can't afford. Like I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Donegal. I should probably get from my accent, despite being elected in Dublin. So there's people from Donegal and other counties around Ireland coming to Dublin, maybe for medical treatment. How can those people be expected to pay five hundred euro for a hotel bedroom for a night? It's it's ludicrous. Yeah, and it's going to push people away from Ireland because the prices you mentioned there, they're similar across the country. Maybe not as high as Dublin, but prices yeah. are quite high. Even looking here in Cork, I mean, again, over the summer months, a hotel uh, in Cork will cost around, a three-star hotel, around €300 Euros, uh, for two nights, whereas elsewhere it would cost cheaper in other cities across Europe, roughly around €100 to €150. Euros. So people coming to this country are going to be turned away. And then people in Ireland who want to stay, Kate, uh, Julie, uh, has been on and she said... She she went to book a hotel room uh, five weeks ago in Dublin at 160 euros. She went back to book the same hotel and the same type of room again. 
This was last week, five weeks later, and it's gone up to 320 euros. I mean, it's some inflation for those prices. But what can be done? I mean, you're calling for the Irish Health Federation to come before the Oireachtas and explain these high rates. Can the Oireachtas do anything on this? Well, first of all, I, I would say that I'm really, really disappointed in hotels that are carrying out this extortion. Uh, to my mind, given the fact that during the COVID-19 period they had their commercial rates paid for, they got uh, employment supports and the recent retention of the 9% VAT rate. It's it's quite disingenuous after um, being so well looked after by the taxpayer effectively, not not the government. The government only has the taxpayer's money, so it's your money and my money that the hotels... I have no difficulty with businesses being looked after. The businesses need to survive... And, and, and hotels are massive employers. However, it, 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 it's a very poor practice to turn around after they were well, so well looked after to really price gouge in the extreme. Like, I'll give you another example, John Paul. Next May, uh, Bruce uh, Springsteen concert. I think it's the, there's a few dates, but one of them I, I looked up there, the 5th of May. And a very ordinary hotel, let's say, on the Keys in Dublin, is charging €899 for one night. For one night? For one night, €899. So I I don't know anybody who can afford that price. Perhaps Bruce Springsteen himself, but he'd probably be saying saying somewhere much fancier. But that's that's mad. That is a huge cost. It it is. And to be honest, all these high prices, John Paul, is a real concern because... um, Tourists, as you rightly say, will see those prices and it'll stop them from coming to Dublin. So it's, and, and you know, to me, what's bad for Dublin is bad for the country because a lot of people enter Dublin, uh, through, enter Ireland, sorry, you know, through Dublin. Mm. And uh, if, so if they're not going to come to Dublin, they're not going to go elsewhere in Ireland. So it's really, really bad. So in terms of what the Oireachtas Committee can do, well, I just really think they, 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 they need to put a bit of manners on these hotels and say, look, you guys were so well looked after in terms of the commercial rates, whatever, and the VAT and the employment supports that I, I just really like uh, them to explain themselves. Like even, even guest houses seem to be getting in on the act, charging hundreds and hundreds of euro, And it's just not fair on people. Well, your Fine Gael colleague, Tana Shelley has come out this morning and he says that the risk now is if the hotels don't basically cop on, they could hire the VAT rate from 9% and increase it because of the spiralling cost of hotel rooms. But many hoteliers, and I mean, you're a former hotel manager, they're saying the cost of business is going up. So food and energy costs, they're just reflecting the increase in prices. I mean, as a former hotel manager, I'm not too sure how you calculate a room charge, but I mean, I presume everything goes into the pot when you calculate the charge like energy costs and, and like staff costs? Yeah, I've no doubt, John Paul, that any reasonable person would not, um, you know, unexpect um, normal price rises in line with inflation. I don't think anybody would have a problem with normal increases, but these are huge hyper um uh, hyper price increases and really taking advantage. I'm not sure about you know the threat to raise the VAT rate. You know I wouldn't be into kind of a tit for tat kind of thing like that there. But really, I'd rather, on a diplomatic way, to ask the hotels to reflect on the prices that they're charging and to re- desist from that practice of of really taking advantage of people. 
And finally, when we look at the scenes from Dublin Airport yesterday, as we're talking about the tourist sector, uh, you must be disappointed, and especially when we hear people who are coming to this country, first of all, and they're paying high prices for hotel rooms, and then they can't get out of the country. And then those of us who are living here can't get out either because of the scenes we saw yesterday. And just, I mean, they're going to look at this, but there's no reason that could not happen again next weekend. Uh, really, the people in charge there of the Dublin Airport Authority, John Paul, to my mind, need to be held to account. They're paid a lot of money to manage the airport. And and if they can't do it, well, perhaps it's time to get a new management team there that can do it. Like, it, it's you can't really blame the people, the baggage handlers and the security people. They're doing their job. They're hired to do the job. But it's the people in charge. The buck stops with them. And if they're not capable of it, let's get people who are. So would you say the current management there within the DAA who run Dublin Airport for them to be removed? Well, I, I'm not sure about that. That's for, for people much higher up than me. But uh, certainly they, they, they need to be explaining themselves, for sure. You know, the pandemonium. I, I can't imagine being at Dublin Airport yesterday. Uh, it must be really difficult, especially for older people and people with children. People need to use the loo. What do you do, especially if you're on your own? What do you do with your bags, you know? So God love them. But certainly I'd be calling for, and I, I do understand that there's talks going on just as we speak. OK, well, we'll wait and see what happens from those talks. For the moment, uh, Fina Gale, uh, Councillor Denny <laughs> Byrne, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks very much, John. Have a good day. Uh, and same to you. Enjoy. And we'll wait and see what happens from that meeting with the DAA and government members, which is underway at the moment this morning. And also on hotel rooms. And do you agree with Danny that something that really needs to be done, even though prices are going up, we are going to turn people off from staycating and turn people from coming to this country, turn them off even from arriving into Ireland with the cost of car rental and the cost of hotel rooms on the increase. Your views are welcome. Call Bernie. She's taken those comments this morning on OA. 1-8-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the way after 11 we're going to be getting advice for those of you who are starting these state exams next week the junior and leaving certificate school's out for many uh, but you still have the state exams to do so our, guidance, our career guidance counsellor that is uh, who is Roisin Kelleher who joins us uh, across the year she will join us at after 11.30 with advice if you were uh, or even parents who have uh, students sitting the junior and leaving cert would have advice for both parents and indeed those sitting the exams plus uh, with Brexit and everything else going on across Europe there is now calls for a border inspection point at the port of Cork we'll hear about that plus a lot of calls and comments in on hotel prices at the tourist industry Dublin airport and indeed uh, the discussion we had regarding the gambling bill and those TDs who did attend uh, that event in Punchestown and many feel that it's a storm like a teacup other people feel it's a disgrace your views are welcome 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and your calls and comments are welcome Bernie taking those on phone right now 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 ahead between now and midday we're going to hear why there's calls for a border inspection point at the Port of Cork and also advice for those who are starting the junior and leaving cert next week. That's all ahead. But first of all, back to your calls and comments on what we were discussing before 11 and to Dublin Airport, which many people uh, feel is really at the moment up in a heap when you look at the other airports across the country which are not being used to their full capacity. Michael on WhatsApp in Castletown Bear to 086 says, Hi JP, Dublin Airport, in Michael's view, 
is a disgrace. They knew well in advance the volume of people who would have been travelling. They were all pre-booked. It's not that they just showed up in spec, says Michael. Now he says it would make you wonder... What is behind all of this? Is it becoming a regular thing there now? Yes, but however, Cork, Kerry and Shannon are not used to their full potential. Neither are the other regional airports like Waterford, Sligo, Galway. They should be interconnected. Disgraceful that the carry-on that is going on and on top of that, the hotel and B&Bs are a pure rip-off. No wonder the Sunday paper headlines yesterday were if you want to go bust your bank, well then... Go to Ireland. Disgraceful, says Michael in Castletown Bear. And that's a good uh, headline if you want to bust your bank or bust your bubble, go to Ireland uh, because of the cost of everything. Thank you, Michael, for that on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Jamie also on WhatsApp in Glamire says, Here we have Cork Airport, which is great to fly in and out of, but I was there a few weeks ago. And why it was a dream... It was so quiet while Dublin can't cope. Surely the DAA need to chat with the airlines to sort this out. But Jamie making the point again that it suited him. It was so quiet. You could freely move around. There's no stress, but it was just too quiet. And then you look at Dublin and you see the chaos unfolding in Dublin nearly every week at this stage. Pat says in Formoy, uh, he says it's part of the hospitality industry is Dublin Airport and all airports. You have hotels and restaurants, etc. And all of this is down to bad pay and unsocial hours. What staff they get they can't keep, says Pat, which is a good point. A lot of this is due to staffing issues and the hours are unsociable and people don't want to be working at those type of hours anymore. You speak to any hotel manager, they'll tell you when things started to reopen, the problems they had to get staff. And the main reason is you're not going to be working nine to five. You're going to be working hours like four to midnight or it could be five to two a.m. in the morning or three a.m. if you're working on a function or a weddings. And then you could be back in again the next day. So you really need to have a passion about the industry or indeed, you know, have a vocation to it. Uh, because if you don't, a lot of people won't want to work those hours. And the same is happening with regards to the airport. You won't be working standard hours. And is that one of the reasons? Of course it is. And thank you, Passion, for my for your call on 0818103103. Liam is in broth. He says the focus is always on Dublin and it's always the whole time Dublin, Dublin. But now so much of the focus has led to Dublin being overcrowded. Surely some of those flights could go from the regional airports. The government, Liam Fields, only runs Dublin. They are incapable of running the rest of the country, says Liam in broth. Well, while all that's going on, and people are flying out of Ireland to go, trying to fly out of Ireland anyhow, to go on a holiday. A quarter of Irish consumers say they can't afford a holiday this summer as the cost of living crisis cuts into people's disposable income. So across the weekends, before that happened in Dublin, we asked these people if they had any holiday plans with everything going on. We were going to plan for Barcelona and then like the prices were incredibly like, crazy. No, I haven't, no. Um, I haven't got the money. I actually don't this year. I decided not to go abroad because it's too expensive. Like the minute everything is quite kind of high price wise. St. Johnny Gold at the week last weekend, terribly expensive. So there we have people who can't go away, can't afford a holiday. And the last man there who did holiday and staycated in Ireland and he said it was so expensive. So while we have uh, some people who may have got a bargain are trying to fly out of the country, others then just simply can't afford to go away. And John, regarding hotel prices, and when we were giving examples earlier on, he was looking to go to Galway during the summer. He was looking at a four-star hotel in Galway and it was so dear. He said, right, I'll try September. In September... Uh, 
a four star hotel in Galway for just two nights is over 400 euro uh, says John so even into September the prices are staying high John feels where is it all going to end uh, it just he said he can't really justify paying that amount of money for a hotel room for two nights in Galway and from the industry of hospitality to the gambling industry and we discussed this as well earlier on the show how a number of TDs and senators went along to a VIP event at Punchestown Racecourse it was last month that this happened it was organised by the Irish Bookmakers Association Association and it was the Daily Mail who broke the story towards the end of last week. It ran across the weekend, but I think the uh, chaotic scenes in Dublin Airport kind of overtook the story. But still, uh, we did discuss it this morning because many people feel there's a gambling bill going through the doyle. And if people are going to events like this in Punchestown, could it influence the decision makers, those TDs and senators? We spoke with the former Corky's deputy, Kevin O'Keefe, because he did attend on the day. He told us what happened. And also to Thomas Gould, the Cork North Central TD for Sinn Féin because he is working on the bill and trying to get this bill brought into fruition and we had mixed views obviously on that uh, just back to your comments regarding that gambling bill first of all John is in Castleton Roach and he says a few weeks ago he saw in the paper a man gambled away 56,000 euro huge sum of money and this man had given up gambling but he got a free 50 euro bet in the post from a well-known bookies and it set him off again and they are putting gambling aware notices then on their adverts with politicians going to this free event how impartial will they be when it comes to the vote he who pays the piper calls the tune gambling is much worse than smoking addiction or indeed a drink addiction says John in Castleton Roach while Ellen is in Connor and Ellen says uh, people are surely entitled to enjoy themselves. Why is Thomas Gould complaining about people having a day out? Well, he did express earlier on his view on that. It wasn't really about going on a day out or he has no issue with people betting as well on, on horses or greyhounds, he said. But his issue was the fact that could this influence the decision makers who went, those TDs and senators, who will be looking at this gambling bill because this bill is due to go through the doll and also within and contained in the bill now is events like this will be cancelled. So those who went along to this now, will they be influenced in any way? So that was his concern and Kevin O'Keefe was saying that it might not and it should not have any influence. He feels it's a storm in a teacup and that there was no mention of the gambling bill uh, during the day at Punchestown Race course but some feel even with no mention could it be an influence on those TDs and senators who went Una is in Carrick too Una says this goes back to the days of the Galway tent and other events that used to take part in Ireland and yes TDs and senators used to go to those as well but Una says I'm afraid these days are over it's just some in society cannot let go and are still hanging on to the past and the old ways of doing things. But those old ways are long gone and they need to come into the 21st century and start doing things by the book. You can't anymore be giving backhanders so things don't go through or do go through. Those days are gone, says Una in Carrick Tool. Your viewers are welcome. 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Monster Technological University. Enhance your your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie.
Bar and waiting staff are wanted for O'Connor's Bar and Restaurant in Mallow. Experience not essential. You can contact Patrick on 022-58263. Taxi driver is wanted for school transport services in Charleville. Contact John on 087-944-1173. And a sales and delivery person is required to join the team at Clonacilty Brewing Company. You can email Frank on clonbrew at gmail.com. You'll find these jobs and much more now online at c103.com. I.E. forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 and on hotel prices, Hillary is in McCroom. Hillary says, I have booked a five nights in Bundoran for two people, 710 euros, B&B. Hillary says, I think that's very reasonable. They have stayed there before and they love it there, says Hillary in McCroom. So uh, as Hillary feels that's a good value for money, have you, when we've been hearing how expensive hotels are and how they are going up and up and up, well, maybe you have some good value to give. Like Hillary, if you feel you've booked somewhere and the value is good, let us know and we'll show the good value that is out there outside of all the negative headlines that has been made as well about hotel prices which is justified because of the cost of hotels I mean you heard there earlier when we were speaking to the councillor from Dublin when he was telling us was it on the key in Dublin for the Bruce Springsteen concert which is on next May uh, a hotel not one of the fancy hotels a basic hotel in the key in Dublin costing for one night over eight hundred euros just for one night so while that is not the the price you want to pay maybe there is others out there elsewhere in the country that is good value uh, like hillary has described let us know you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 now the government has been urged to establish a border protection point at the port of cork cork north central fina gail deputy colin burke joins me with more on this good morning to you colin good morning this is something you have been working on and I presume this is to check non-EU goods including fresh foods coming into Ireland. Yeah, it appears that it applies to some fresh foods coming in but not all. For instance, if bananas come in to Cork even if they're from um, South America or from any of the um, countries outside of the European Union they do, they do not have to be checked. But um, items like carrots which are coming in say from Israel they have to be transported to, to, from Cork to Dublin to be given customs clearance, and um, we know we now need uh, we need um, a border inspection point in Cork. Um, my understanding is that Port of Cork have made a submission on it, and it's about funding being provided so that they can go ahead and establish um, a border inspection point in in the Port of Cork. And would this be in Tivoli or in Ringeskiddy or in Bolton? I presume it would be in Ringeskiddy. You see, um, most of the port activity is now moving towards Ringeskiddy mm. and um, the long-term thing is that everything will eventually be moving down there. Um, so that's basically what we need to do. But it's a huge cost to importers. I have a number of importers on to me um, from around the county and, and the city uh, who are importing goods. Having then having them to be transported to Dublin, there's a huge cost to that. But there's also the environmental thing in the, in the sense that you're having heavy goods vehicles having to travel all the way to Dublin, have to get the clearance and then bring them all back all the way down into um, Cork again for distribution. So a huge additional cost to importers. And 
we know also that the problem where some importers have now decided, well, in order to cut costs, we're we're going to try and import in through Dublin um, rather than importing through Cork. So we've got to get this problem resolved. And when we speak about products like I mentioned there, fresh food, other products as well coming into Ireland have been delayed over the last number of months. And a lot of people blame Brexit for this and other factors that are going on across Europe. Would this then speed up things? Because we have seen, I mentioned the airport there a while ago and the delays we saw at Dublin Airport. We've seen delays as well at Dublin Port because everything arrives into that port. Not everything, but the majority of goods do. If this was distributed equally then between Cork and Dublin, it would speed up the process. Well, Cork is important over 10 million uh, tonnes of goods come through Cork, Air, uh, Cork um, Port in any one year um, and that's continuing to increase and now you know we've got a deeper berth there in the port as well so that bigger ships can come in there as well in the new development and the Port of Cork um, has spent a huge amount of money in developing um, the, the new facilities it's important therefore that all goods that are coming into the Port of Cork can get clearance in the Port of Cork rather than having to be transported to Dublin. But it, it, I suppose the other issue that it does raise as well is, you know, why are we importing so much uh, vegetables into this country? Um, my understanding now is that, you know, we had something like 200 large growers of vegetables around the country um, previously. It's now down to about 100 uh, growers. Um, and I'm talking about large growers. I have a member of my own family, for instance, who was working with a grower who's growing over a 1,000 um, acres of vegetables in any one year. But there's huge pressures because it appears what's happening is a lot of the multiples are forcing down price and it's becoming uneconomic for people to grow vegetables. And I think we need to look at that issue as well. Like, when do we take action? Is it when we're down to 50 growers? And then there is no security there if we're ending up having to import that amount of vegetables from abroad. I know it's at the time of the year where you have to import them at the moment because vegetables produced and, and harvested in September last year, you know, they wouldn't be the same as vegetables that are imported, that are um, harvested at this time of the year. So we have to deal with that as well. But overall, we're still importing a huge amount of uh, fresh uh, vegetables into this country when a serious question mark has to be raised about why can't we grow them at home and how can we make it viable for um, producers to produce those goods here at home. So at the moment it's not viable to produce them because of the the large multinationals who aren't paying them enough, is it, to produce well, the goods? Well, I think there's a problem. I mean, you always have to ask the question is when, when the number of growers in this area has decreased, even if you look at Cork County at the moment, the number of uh, people growing vegetables for supply here is actually quite small. So, and you go back 20, 25 years ago, there was a lot, there were a lot more people growing uh, vegetables for the Irish market, and that has reduced drastically. But I suppose uh, if the money isn't making, uh, if they're not making money out of it, they're not going we, to do it. I suppose we need way. to we need to look at this because there's no point in trying to. You know, we, we've run into the same problem now in relation to growing of grain in this country, for instance, because of the Ukraine situation. We've now suddenly had to give incentive to farmers to, to grow grain this year because we could very well have um, a, a, a very short supply of grain in the coming months, especially when we have um, cattle uh, and dairy cows indoors. There is there is uh, feeding that's, that's required and, you know, there is going to be a supply shortage and we need to plan, you know, in likewise in relation to vegetables, we now need to look at this whole issue. And I suppose the other issue we all need to do is, you know, there was a time when 
everyone was growing their own vegetables at home, we need to look at can we, you know, the way we've healthy living, we've focused on that in particular over the last 10 years about the need for people to go out walking and running. But we also need to look at this whole issue. Should we have a major campaign to encourage people to grow their own vegetables as well? And I think an awful lot of us now don't even know how to grow vegetables, even if we if it were, if we were asked to do it. And on a personal level, I think people would, would like to do that and get involved. But from the farming point of view, many farmers could say that over the years they were diversifying, going to different types of farming. And that's why they are stopped growing vegetables in the large quantities they have. Also, the pressures from multinationals. And even if you look at our sugar industry, I mean, the way that changed. And, and we have, I suppose, written off a lot of our industries in Ireland over the years. So you saying go back to basics and start producing our own again? Yeah, I think I think we could do a lot more on this. I think it's about healthy living. It's about using, getting fresh vegetables. You know, when when I was actually surprised to find we have carrots coming in from Israel, you know, which is a long ways away from Ireland, um, and being imported and then being imported at Port Cork and having to be transported to Dublin to get clearance, a huge cost in that. So surely we should now be looking at if that kind of cost is being incurred in transporting them all the way from Israel to Cork and then being transported to Dublin, surely we should be able to encourage people and give the necessary incentives for more of the vegetable items to be um, grown here in this country. And just on the Port of Cork issue regarding the border inspection, I presume there's some type of inspection there already, but for this to happen, you would need extra staff. And would that staff be coming from revenue? or how Revenue, does that work? revenue is give the, uh, my understanding, um, are the people that will have to, that give the clearance here. So, um, now, the Port of Cork have made a submission. My understanding is that the, port, the cost of setting up such a facility would be around uh, 3 million euros, I think, between building the facility, etc. But I do believe that we need to diversify away from... Uh, I think there's two... I think um, Ross Lair and... Um, I may be incorrect on that, but there's two border inspection points at the moment in the country. I think we need to diversify and make sure that there's an adequate facility here in Cork as well. And I think, you know, I'm going to keep after government on this. I've raised in the doll with uh, Eamon Ryan, who just said, you know, the damage to the environment with transport costs, the delays, etc. Um, I've also raised it with the Minister for Agriculture. Um, so I'm going to follow it up until such time as we can get um, a sanction for this border inspection point to be established in the Port of Cork. And would you then need to build new offices for revenue staff? As I presume they'll be there I, on I think the site it's, all day. It's just, a, it's just a facility that has to be built. I think the, the cost, the estimated cost is around £3 million, but I'm not clear on how that cost is made out, but that's my understanding. Um, I know that the Port of Cork, you know, they have spent a lot of money over the last uh, three to four years. They obviously have to stay within their budgets as well. Um, so I think that's one of the, the facilities that didn't get finished on this occasion, but they have made the submission and I think we need to get on with it. And move sooner rather than later on this issue. Absolutely. As you mentioned there, you just gave a, an example of, of Ring of Skiddy and someone has texted in on the Tivoli and Ring of Skiddy situation. Is there any date on when the operations from Tivoli will move to Ring of Skiddy? They keep saying in the next five years, but at this stage we're about two years away from that and there's there's no signs of uh, that ever changing at the moment. Anyhow, if you look at the docks in Tivoli. Yeah, I, I would imagine that there are ongoing uh, developments. I mean, I suppose the other issue that we need to look at as well is that, you know, we have the Rinneskiddy bypass road still to build. Um, the farmers in that area, or just the landowners in that area, were served with notices 
as far back as November 2014 for the um, bypass road um, to Rinneskitty or to, 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 to the port facilities. It's only now that that land is being fenced off, so we're eight years later, and uh, probably we need to develop that road infrastructure as well to the port Cork facilities. Um, and the sooner we do it, now that project will probably take another two to three years. But it's important if we want to have that volume of traffic in, we need to take them out of um, areas where where we have housing, etc. And that's what the bypass road is is for. So that has been sanctioned. Um, it is being fenced off, and progress has been made. But again, you know, there's been that eight-year gap from the time landowners were served with notices to now, um, uh, 2022. So eight years on, and we are only just fencing off the um, the 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 route of this roadway. So while the timeline would suggest two years, I can't see that moving in, in the next two years anyhow totally from Tivoli to Ringeskiddy on the what you've outlined there. Well, I, I mean, obviously it's a matter that, that the Port of Cork will, once they have the facility fully operational in, in Ringeskiddy, you know, in dealing with all aspects, whether it's container traffic or uh, vehicles coming in, you know, once they have everything established in, 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 um, in Ringeskiddy, then obviously the move away from Tivoli um, will will be completed but it's probably it's going to take about another two to three years you know yeah, easily. And as you say, the motorway will need to be there as well to uh, ensure the infrastructure is there for those trucks. Very finally, Colin, before I let you go, you'll be aware of the scenes from Dublin Airport yesterday. A lot of people are calling now for diverse, the, the flights to be diverted across all the airports in Ireland if Dublin can't uh, contain and deal uh, with the passenger numbers as we saw yesterday. Ryanair is out this morning. They're asking for the army to be brought into Dublin Airport. Uh, what's your view? Do you think now it is time for the DAA to I sit down with the airlines? I think there's a major problem in, in Dublin Airport. I mean, what happened yesterday was just, is just not acceptable. I mean, I have, you know, a number of people on to me, one person on to me, for instance, in particular, who had two young children waiting for hours to try and get in through. It's not acceptable. And if there is a way of, you know, diverting traffic away from Dublin Airport to the other airports, Cork has capacity, Shannon has capacity, um, the other regional airports have capacity. I think we've got to look at that because, you know, people and, you know, my understanding now is that over a thousand people missed their flights yesterday. That's a huge cost to everyone. And no matter what the airport will do in saying that they will reimburse people, there's still that added cost. There's also the whole stress levels and the trauma of it. And then if you have anyone, say, with any kind of, um, you know, disability at all, they're in huge difficulties as regards, you know, dealing with that kind of delay. Um, as someone said to me um, yesterday that they had to join the queue. They left their children with uh, relatives who were about living three or four miles away. And then they were able to ring them, say, four hours later to know, you know, can now bring in the children. So, you know, people were even doing that yesterday because of the way that... Um, the delays had occurred and I think it's not acceptable and we've got to get a solution to this problem and the sooner the better. And would you agree with many of our listeners this morning who are saying that we put too much focus on Dublin Airport and not enough on Shannon and Cork and this is leading to the situation that all the major flights are still going to Dublin and we should encourage the likes of Aer Lingus to come back more to Cork Absolutely. and use those we, facilities. We've, 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 we're, we're loading too much, um, no matter what it is, 
into Dublin. It's also happening in registered health services where we're not focused and that's the reason why I want this new elective hospital built in Cork because we're actually, you know, we have a, a situation in Cork where certain areas of healthcare have to go to Dublin because we don't have capacity in Cork to deal with it. For instance, you take rehab is based in Dundee. We don't have a, a, a full rehab facility here in Cork and likewise in relation to, to this you know, in relation to flights, why can't the airlines um, focus on um, providing additional uh, flights out of Cork, and that we would get um, we would get a more equal dis- um, distribution of people? Like you take, say, I would guarantee yesterday there was quite a large number of people out of the Munster area travelling through Dublin. They were travelling through Dublin because the flights weren't available out of Cork or Shannon. Therefore, we've got to make sure that we encourage the airlines to use Cork and Shannon and rather than moving away their central focus from Dublin. Yeah, well, Martina is one of those and she said that she would have used Cork Airport. It would be a lot easier for her, but her Aer Lingus flight wasn't flying out of Cork. It was only Dublin. So there Absolutely. is a lot of people yeah. who would rather yeah. obviously use Cork, but the flights aren't there. Yeah, and that's the big problem. I mean, we're, we're pushing everything, even from, you know, the northwest as well It's happening. Uh, and Munster, and yet, like you take Munster, for instance, where we have both Cork and Shannon, and still we have a, a large volume of people out of the Munster region having no choice but to go to Dublin and use Dublin because the flights are not going out of those two airports. OK, we'll wait and see what happens uh, with the whole Dublin airport debacle. It is being discussed at the moment with the Transport Ministers and, and the government meeting the DAA as we speak for the moment. Colm, uh, thanks for joining us this no, morning. You're very welcome. Uh, that is Cork North Central Deputy Colin Burke. And your views are welcome. 0818 You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and the queues at Dublin Airport, they are down today. Uh, but some people are having varying experiences this morning at the airport. Uh, they spoke to our reporter in the last few minutes. No, I get this flight pretty regularly, so it's looking a lot worse than it would usually at this time, yeah. The flight's not now till half two, so we're here now since ten past nine, just waiting to see. Just, she can't take chances now. No, we arrived early. It's just, the only concern I have is that there's no one there. So it's not moving at all. So things are not totally back to normal yet in Dublin Airport, despite us thinking there were about two hours ago from those queuing. Uh, they say things are still not as what they should be. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And if you are a parent or a student, and for students who are starting the junior and leaving cert next week, we will have advice on that next from our guidance counsellor, Roisin Kelleher. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. School is out and next week is the start of the state exams as students prepare for the junior and leaving cert exams. So what is the best advice for students and parents? Guidance counsellor Roisin Kelleher joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Roisin. Good morning, John Paul. And I suppose, first of all, there's so much pressure put on people this time of the year and so many people asking, are you ready to sit your junior or leaving search? Like in everything, you have to go into the, to this with a, a positive mind, I suppose, Roisin. That's it. As positive and as realistic as possible. And remember, they already have had the experience with their pre's, which were taking place at various times over the spring. So they are familiar with it. Having said that, of course, it is the first state exams for very many students now because of COVID. They, uh, of course, they had the exams last year, but for the leaving cert, they all actually have to sit the papers this year. 
and not forgetting, of course, the students with the applied leaving certificate and very importantly, the junior certificate students as well, John Paul. Mm. So, of course, at that official level, it is the first experience for them. And it can be a very daunting experience. I think the very first time you do it, I know the leaving cert isn't exactly easy, but at least you've sat in a state exam because usually, not for everybody, but I know when we were doing it in, and I went to Hamilton High in Bandon, uh, it was yeah. in the town hall. So it was a totally different experience because there were so many of us at that stage in the school, the school hall couldn't fit us, so we had to go to the town hall to do the exam. And some schools are in that situation still, so it can be off-putting being in a different place or even maybe in a, in a room in the school you never used to. Yeah, so that's so important, checking all of that detail out uh, in good time and just preparing each day. Of course, naturally having the timetable so that they are aware of the different various exams. Of course, they will turn up on the first day when it starts on next Wednesday, the 8th of June. But having the timetable so that they know when all the exams are there and not just the students, but of course, they're great supporters, their parents and people looking after them as well. It's easy things, but just to have those reminders in place to reduce the amount of stress or thought or panic or anything like that as much as possible. So being prepared, being in control, doing the best they can, checking everything out in good time, and particularly the night before, that can be a bit anxious for people. But remember, there's nothing really wrong with a certain amount of anxiety and stress. It's it's a challenge. It, it, it gives extra energy. So as long as it's controlled in a better way, but of course the exercise is so important, drinking plenty of water, staying as calm as, as possible, as I said, and taking the deep breaths. They're so important, John Paul. The breathing exercise, I know you've said this many times over your programs, and I'm always saying it to students as well, that if they feel panicky, just take take a breath, as they say, and calm down, leave everything out of the mind for a little while, and even just see the signs stop, and even say those letters kindly to yourself, S, P, O, P, and then just resume again. So, of course, for the exam itself, getting there in time, as I've said earlier, but also reading the exam questions so carefully, go back over it again, and then making a rough draft of what they think they would like to, how they would answer those questions, and keeping to the time limits. Now, there is great information out there, John Paul, in fairness, on the examinations.ie. It goes through the past papers. It suggests a timeline for the various um, questions. So these are great guidelines that are there. They're practical and, you know, they're, they're so useful. Of course, when they finish their question, leave a bit of space so that when a thought will occur, which often can, which is wonderful, the brain will work in a wonderful way for them uh, to put in those extra points. And even if they are caught for time, to put down the points at least and to answer all the questions, watching in particular the compulsory questions, making sure they turn over the page. Just you, It's up to them. They've spent all their years, particularly the even search students, it has been difficult for the last couple of years, but they've put an effort in. So let the occasion of the exam be an opportunity where they can show their knowledge and get the best they can out of the experience. And a question we get every year, and this is more so, I suppose, in the lead up, and it could be this week when you speak to teachers, uh, not changing last minute, for example, not changing from higher to ordinary, because you have to be very careful. There can be a totally different exam and a, a different curriculum leading up to this, whether it's English or maths or whatever. Yes, well, this is true. They have that choice, but to be careful about it, because one should really prepare not just obviously for the exams, but for the level that 
one expects to take the exam at. And the other very important point with that, John Paul, also is that depending on what course or what they intend to do afterwards, they've got to be mindful of the entry requirements. So by changing a level, it could mean that they might find that they're not eligible for a particular course. On the other hand, a person might change a level because they want to make sure that they will pass the subject. That's another very big issue. Mm. And also, if one is on the ordinary level papers for many courses, not all of them, but there are courses where it is not sufficient to get a pass, they may very well look for an O2 or an O3 results, we'll say 70% or 80% in the exam. So it's not just a casual thing that a person would do. And ideally, it's something they would have started out, certainly by now or long before now, if possible. And then you've done your first day of the exam. I mean, it can be very draining coming out of the exam hall after putting everything into the first day. You still must go home then and revise for the next day. So how do you plan your revision as this will be something you'll do at least anyhow for a full week, if not two weeks? You do indeed. And indeed, after the first exam for very many students, they may have another exam that afternoon. So they have to prepare, yeah, in advance so that they have to have their energy right. They finish that one and they start on the next one. So, of course, there can be persons that will go through the papers with them afterwards. And but I suppose that's a usual situation. I would suggest not to spend too much time on it because it could unnerve them and upset them for the other papers. They really have to concentrate. It takes a discipline. There's no doubt about it. It does take a discipline that you would then concentrate on the next piece of work, which is the next day, day's exam or exams, if there are two of them, be held on that day and and so it goes on and on and on so of course the exams are very much clustered in those early days uh, with again with looking at the leaving search where there would be English English paper one and then the home economics paper and then the next day they have English paper two and for the students who would be doing engineering they have it that morning and then of course the mathematics and the Irish and the uh, various subjects then usually kick in after that so the first couple of days are tough uh, but then, of course, there's the weekend as well that will get them over that. But they have to pace it. They have to look after it very carefully, do the preparation for it, have it set out, have their revision notes, keep focused, keep calm, and keep positive that they will do it. Because there's so many choices and there's so many wonderful things that they can consider. And it is a great thing in itself that they have reached the leading search. And it is wonderful that they are actually sitting the papers this year. So I hope... Yeah that they would feel confident about that. Very true. And as you say, it's an achievement to get and do your leaving search. But there's so much choice now out there, Roisin, after your leaving search. It's not all just about going to university or any college. There's a huge amount of choice. And I think you can choose your university. You can choose your colleges. You can choose a trade. There's a FETA courses. There's a lot out there now. So don't be disheartened as well if you think you did it or you, you feel you're not going to be prepared going in. There's a lot more out there than ever. And it's good to have those choices put mm. in place at this time. So the CAO website now also carries information, links, that would say, to uh, further education, post-leaving cert courses and the apprenticeship programs. And this is wonderful that they're there to remind people, as if they didn't know, of course, we've always mentioned how important these courses are because they're very good in their own right. Or, indeed, they may also offer an opportunity to progress into other, uh, you know, education in the higher education world, if they so wish. So with the post-leaving cert courses, 
they can apply directly to those colleges now, and I would suggest they would do that as soon as possible. With the apprenticeships, of course, they've got to be careful that they have to have a sponsor. That is someone that will train you up in that various area of training, whatever that might be. Let it be a craft or let it be those new apprenticeships that they have. But they must have a sponsor. So, But the thing with the sponsor and the apprenticeship is that doesn't necessarily wait till September. They can make those applications now, which is very important. So getting onto that website, the apprenticeships.ie, has a wealth of information in there. Or at local level here in Cork, they can get onto the Cork Training Centre. And they have a telephone number 021-4856-200. They're very helpful there. And they'll also give an opportunity for people to go around the centre and to see the various, uh, what we might have called in the past, trades, what we prefer to call nowadays craft certificates and the apprenticeships. So that's a great opportunity for students to consider that. For some, they might consider, of course, abroad in the Unicast on the mainland system. And so there's lots of choices. But with the CAO itself, very many students, students who have applied to the CAO, they will have got at now, by the end of this month, which obviously is tomorrow, uh, they will have got a statement of what they've already applied for. So it is hugely important that they check that statement to make sure it's accurate. Then they have until the 1st of July to make any changes that they want. That includes putting in a new course, taking out a programme if they wish, and making sure that the order of the courses are correct. Now, the only new courses that they cannot introduce at this stage would be restricted courses. But anything else, they have got complete control over. And it's very important that they also look at the CAO updated list of courses. So they, they do have to be very mindful about these things. Now, I know we could say that the most important thing at this time is the preparation for the exam itself, of course, absolutely. But as those days progress, and certainly by the time they finish their uh, leaving search papers, they do have to give full attention to what it is they're applying for and to put in as many options as possible. And to check with all the help that is available from the colleges directly, from their schools, from their guidance counselors, they can contact me. There is a huge amount of information out there for people. So in one sense, there isn't any need to be unduly stressed about it because the help is there. And this is the time to get the help and to feel reassured and positive about what they wish to do. And again, if you are looking at college, just to keep in mind the accommodation availability and the cost as well, if you well, have to leave for home because the cities such as Dublin and Cork are quite expensive at the moment. Uh, very finally, you mentioned it there as well for parents or big brothers or sisters or guardians listening, don't put too much pressure on your child uh, yeah. because that cannot deter them to go the other way and might push, you know, they might that's not perform exactly. very well in exam due to that. For the moment, Roisin, we, we wish them best of luck to anybody doing the, both the leaving and the junior cert next, next week. The very best of luck to you. And as we always say, every year Roisin you can only do your best you can only do their best and I'm sure that is exactly what the parents and everybody would want with regard to them that they they don't have to be the best but for them to do the best they can and I leave it at that with a positive confident uh, situation that they will be very successful 
with what they do. Thank you very much. Roisin, yeah. thanks for joining us as always. Our guidance counsellor on the show, Roisin Kelleher. And again, the best of luck to everybody who is studying at the moment and going to sit those exams next Tuesday, both junior and leaving search. And we'll have advice as well later on c103.ie for those of you who are sitting the state exams. Best of luck to everybody. JP, until one in for Patricia today. And Bernie, taking your views on phone right now, 0818 103 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Nutritional advice with Annalise. And that's it along after 12.30. If you have a question for Annalise, get that into us. A lot of them are already into us. So if you want to put a question to Annalise this afternoon, get them into us nice and early so we get your question in time. You can call Bernie on the number I gave there or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But on the issue in Dublin Airport and still the meeting continues between the government and indeed the DAA who run Dublin Airport as people remain unhappy of what has happened across this weekend just gone but more so for people who are travelling out of Dublin Airport next weekend. Eilish was on to us earlier on WhatsApp saying Hi JP, I'm flying out of Dublin next weekend and I am dreading it. When I saw the news yesterday evening I was just so worried. I should be excited about my holiday, not worried. And the only reason I'm flying out of Dublin is because my destination I am going to, Aer Lingus, do not fly out of Cork. So many flights now seem to be just going out of Dublin. Something needs to be done. I think those in the transport department that are meeting the DAA today need to sit them down and indeed meet the airlines and ask them, why can't they use Cork? Why can't they just separate the flights out? There used to be so many more flights out of Cork before, but since the pandemic... Uh, flights have stopped. I would rather fly out of Cork than Dublin. It's a way more convenient. Now I am worried about next weekend, uh, says Eilish on uh, WhatsApp to 0862103103. Well, they are saying they will have things operating better next weekend than the weekend just gone. Uh, some of the ideas were basically bringing in all the staff they have to work next weekend. But I can imagine if you are flying out of Dublin over the next while, people are going to worry looking at what the scenes we saw uh, yesterday. And the, the point there that when I was speaking to our, our various contributors and guests earlier on the show, be that uh, the uh, Colin Burke here, for Cork North Central Deputy, or the, the Dublin Councillor we spoke with, Danny Byrne, earlier in the show. I mean, the, the one thing is if you're in a queue like that and as he pointed out you have to go to the toilet you have to leave the queue and then try and get back into the queue again and there's just so many inconveniences when you're in that type of situation and the stress then along with that and of course the worst ever is the people that miss their flights you're in the queue you're trying to get into the airport and you're looking up and you can see your plane uh, taking off over the airport and I think that picture that was in the papers this morning of that family uh, from Derry wasn't it that we're travelling to Birmingham to see Harry Styles in concert instead of seeing Harry Styles yesterday afternoon they were watching the Ducks in Stevens Green and the children the, the look on their faces was just so sad because they were looking forward to going along and seeing Harry Styles they're big fans of his and instead they were watching the Ducks which were I'm sure entertaining them in St Stevens Green uh, but not to the extent that Harry Styles might in Birmingham and then you know more people who booked time off work we're hearing from who again would have rather fly out of Shannon or Cork but had to go to Dublin because it was the only flight to their destination that they were booking 
and how many of those last Friday so excited to be leaving work whatever your work is uh, telling people that's now sorted look after that you're putting on the out of office reply uh, on your email and then you could be back on work today uh, because the flight's gone and you simply are not going to get on the next flight that could be Tuesday or Wednesday before there's another flight especially if you're living outside of Dublin if you're living here in Cork or if you're living in Kerry or or wherever you're not going to travel up again in a day's time uh, and there's no guarantee anyhow that you get on that flight in a day's time it could be booked out for that holiday destination so uh, we will continue the conversation tomorrow on if the flights can be diverted following that meeting uh, that is ongoing with the DAA and indeed those from the Department of Transport but Tanya is agreeing with Ryanair who have come out this morning and said bring in the army let the army sort this out if they don't have enough staff bring the army in and get the army uh, to put people through security and the bag drop-offs and whatever else that they need staff for in Dublin Airport. And also, Mary is in the city. Mary says that she's going to Malaga in June. Now, she's flying out of Cork, but it will be quarter past seven in the evening by the time she will get to Malaga. And at that stage, she says, I have lost a whole day. Now, there are three flights to Malaga every day from Dublin, and they're early in the day. So why is it that the Cork flight is so late, asks Mary. And a few people are commenting on that, that flights then from Cork, the times don't suit everyone. Uh, so that's why people do travel to Dublin. Uh, this is Colm, who was travelling to Liverpool on business. He says, I would rather fly out of Cork, and I do most of the time. But this week, I will have to fly out of Dublin because the flight coming back is just too late. And likewise, for going out. So I'm going to go to Dublin. Also, the flights from Cork only operate certain days of the week, whereas there is more flights out of Dublin. They really need to look at this. No wonder there are queues. As your commentator said earlier, you can't blame those working in the airport the blame lies at the management at the top who simply haven't factored in the amount of staff they need to deal with the people going to Dublin they have forced everything now to Dublin and this is what happens when we all turn up together at an airport it's going to see queues while then Shannon and Cork people breeze through because there isn't enough flights in both of them says Colm on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 it's an issue we will be getting to uh, on the show again tomorrow a lot of people just angry uh, at that and I suppose those who are unfortunately going to be flying out next weekend are, are more worried but hopefully they will have it sorted out this week uh, one way or another and then when we were speaking to Colin Burke on the Port of Cork and the inspections that they're trying to get the border inspections and, and a location point within the Port of Cork it would be a ring of skiddy uh, we mentioned the reason for this was checking fresh food and he mentioned about going back and growing our own veg and a lot of people are commenting on that first of all Joe is in Kilmallock he says people with cottages in the country or a house with an acre why don't they grow their own veg we need to get back to growing our own produce in this country but not on a, a mega scale maybe those of us who have a bit of land can grow it and to a certain degree supply our own food or our own veg to ourselves and maybe our neighbours while Marion says I'm growing my own veg but Marianne says I only took this up since the lockdown's begun I, I am keeping it 
so far to lettuce and tomatoes so nothing major but then I do use them in sandwiches and in dinners so Marion feels we should all try and do it and once you plant them all you need to do is just keep an eye on them and water them it's not a lot of hard work the hard work is in the planting and getting it right uh, but overall Marion says I do use the produce and I, and I actually now have stopped buying tomatoes and lettuce uh, in the supermarket so it does make a difference if we could all do that it would be better for the environment says Marion while Joan, who also, like Marion, has started growing tomatoes over the last year, has invested in hens and now she has fresh eggs every morning. Free range eggs. Nothing like them, Joan. You can't compare uh, with those that aren't free range. But uh, well done, Joan, uh, with her own uh, hens. And now she has the free range eggs every morning. And regarding that, when it comes to farming, uh, a texter here says the big problem uh, with farming when it comes to sustainability is it can be very unfair and it's also very confusing and it can be very discriminatory to some farmers within the se- in the sector. So that's why so many farmers are not going into producing their own veg as much as they should be uh, with the confusion, says that texter. And from growing your own veg to graveyards, Margaret is in Donnerill. And something that comes up, I suppose, this time of the year for many graveyards, unfortunately, but she's asking about Old Court in Donrill. She feels it's overgrown and wants to know when the grass will be cut or are they not cutting grass at the moment? So if anybody's in the know, it might be happening this week, but if they are going to cut the grass in graveyards, she's pointing out Old Court in Donrill. Is Margaret on to Bernie on 0818-103-103. And we spoke about the post offices over the last week and... And in particular, we spoke about Goline Post Office. Well, we have a few texts in on that as the situation there, as we mentioned on Friday, has been sorted. Uh, first of all, Mary Downey on WhatsApp says, Hi, John Paul, as you're probably aware by now, Goline Post Office has had a reprieve and we are. The people of Goline are very happy about this turn of events, uh, Mary says, which would not have been happened without the intervention of Christopher O'Sullivan TD. He was on the case immediately and got our predicament into the media as soon as he could. The result is a happy village. We will make the incoming postmaster very welcome and wish a happy retirement to Breda Buckley. It's great to see a fast response from our elective representatives, uh, says Mary Downey. And also Liam on WhatsApp saying very similar to what Mary has said, but Liam wants to credit Brida uh, Brida Buckley that is the outgoing postmaster there in Goline because she has said that she will help and it's going to help the new people when they take over the running of the post office and this is such a welcome development for our village of Goline says Liam we need to keep our local post offices they are vital otherwise do we end up in a situation everybody in a certain area piling into one building in what we see in Dublin could be a different type situation like the airport but you could see people queuing to get into a post office that might be just one post office serving a part of West Cork. So could we see that in the future? All of us queuing up for our post office services? Well, we could if all our local post offices close down. Thankfully, we in Goline will remain with our service and also likewise for Skull. An agreement has been reached in Skull as well and they will keep their local post office. So it's good news all around for the Mizzen, says Liam. And he also wants to thank Christopher O'Sullivan and Michael Collins for all their help in getting the post office's services kept on the Mizzen. It's a quite important, says Liam. On WhatsApp to 0862103103. Your questions are welcome for Annalisa. She'll be joining us very shortly. You can call Bernie on 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086. 
The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Donnerell Active Retirement, they will hold a flower arranging class. It's going to go ahead this afternoon at 4.30 in the Presentational Pastoral Centre. And you're asked to please bring a box with a cover. Mallow Wind Sheds Group, they meet every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday afternoon from 2 to 5. They meet at the rear of Lakela Family Centre and they'll also meet there on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9. New members are very welcome and you can choose any day that suits you. And Anankara, they will hold their face-to-face meeting in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. That's going ahead this Wednesday at quarter past seven. All bereaved parents are welcome to this free event regardless of circumstances of death or the age of the child. Uh, registration is not required. You asked to just turn up at the evening at the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. And there is a Progressive 45 drive in Kilbrin Social Club. That's happening every Wednesday at 9pm. Everybody is welcome. There's also a raffle on the evening. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And keep your questions coming in for Annalisa, who will join us very shortly. Your nutritional questions are welcome. You can call Bernie as well with those on 0818-103-103. And just going back to calls and comments in on the various issues we have been discussing so far this morning. First of all, on the issue of veg and growing veg. And it was mentioned earlier that we're importing carrots from Israel. Well, on this column, uh, who's in Botovan says potatoes have been coming from Israel and Cyprus for many years. So Irish producers have left the market. Now we are being told to grow our own but all the health and safety regulations would put most people off from selling so you can only grow your own stuff for your own use this is column in Botovans and so many are doing that like we heard earlier from Marion and others who are growing their own veg and using it and like Joan who invested in hens over the last year and is getting free range fresh eggs every morning so a lot of people have turned to growing their own but as you say column not for selling uh, just simply for their own personal use and Thomas in Bantry he says small growers should be giving an incentive to grow veg like the payments they give to farmers. Importing veg from Israel is a bit too much uh, when we're speaking about his was carbon and footprint and all of that. And John is in Cove and I spoke there earlier regarding those inquiring about the cemeteries and some of the graveyards being overgrown and many people asking are they still cutting the grass this time of the year in those graveyards or not well uh, John in Coves wants to thank the Wise family who cleaned up St. Coleman Cemetery in Cove they are contractors but they did a fantastic job so hello to all uh, the Wise family who uh, cleaned up the cemetery there in Cove from uh, John and on a few acts of kindness uh, that have come in to us across the morning and this is one of them and this is another John in Skibbereen and he wants to thank the two ladies who helped him on Friday outside Atridge's shop he has a difficulty walking so John uses an electric buggy uh, but he could not negotiate the curb of the footpath and there was also bins in the way so the two ladies whoever you are well done to you they came over they helped the John Skibberine to uh, get off the footpath and probably get on it again safely uh, so well done to those two ladies whoever you are uh, your act of kindness has been acknowledged today here on the show well done to you there in Skibberine and can we help Dennis who was in Gortmore because Dennis uh, was at the Malahoe and Gardens Festival on Sunday. So yesterday, 
but he lost his glasses. So if anybody by any chance picked up glasses at the show yesterday, give us a call. We have Dennis details here and we can see if we can match up the glasses that Dennis lost yesterday at the Cork Racecourse at Mallow for the Mallow Homes and Gardens Festival. And by the way, on that huge turnout yesterday and indeed across the weekend uh, for that event, um, well done to all involved. It did bring a lot of people to uh, the Mallow area and all in, in good fun and good need and the weather was fantastic for the weekend as well so well done to all there at the Cork Race Course in Mallow for the Mallow Homes and Garden Festival which was proudly supported across the weekend by C103 and tied to Dean who was in Skull over the weekend uh, well he went for a spin there he says yesterday uh, he's from the city but he wants to thank everybody he met because of course the Fastnet Film Festival was on right across the weekend and he saw so many stars he said uh, there and that's because there was a big movie stars down uh, for the weekend descending on Skull uh, many of them were mingling around the uh, area so it would be well known to, to locals at this stage those who repeat visit every year but then a lot of new people came as well this year uh, so well done to all there involved with the Fastnet Film Festival and I mentioned earlier about what was happening in a Kista on Saturday morning and hi to Jim who says yes I was one of those lucky ones who was up early Saturday morning JP and I got myself a ticket for Graham Norton's quiz that's the table quiz uh, which goes ahead in Ahakista later in the summer they were selling the tickets on Saturday morning early in Ahakista there was queues uh, for the uh, tickets as you would expect uh, but it's a really a great event so if you haven't gone there uh, I presume maybe it's sold out maybe it's not let us know if you're running that event uh, if there is still tickets available for that but queues anyhow on Saturday morning in Ahakista for the uh, Graham Norton table quiz which is taking place later this summer so all good news on that front there now hi to who was on to us earlier Mary Mary is in Yol she wants to know about the Elton John competition is it still going on? Oh, Mary, yes, very much so. Experience Elton John twice in Liverpool and Cork. With Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. On C103. And to celebrate Elton John coming to Leeside, C103 wants to send you and a friend to see him twice in Anfield in Liverpool on June 17th and then Parky Cueve here in Cork on July 1st. This is your final week to qualify. All you got to do is listen for the hits of Elton John every time we play two together. Text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win a place in the final draw, which will happen this coming Friday after two o'clock. So experience Elton John twice with Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best, only on C103. And Nick Richards is along from one, and all I say is, keep the radio on. You'd never know what you'd hear after the one o'clock news here at C103. Back to calls and comments regarding the situation uh, over the, well, this was last month, but it kind of came out on the Daily Mail uh, towards the end of last week. This is where a number of TDs and senators went along to a VIP event in Punchestown Racecourse last month. It was organised by the Irish Bookmakers Association. And the reason there's a bit of uproar over this is despite the gambling bill going through the doyle, a lot of current TDs and senators went along. Now, earlier we did speak to the former Cork East Deputy Kevin O'Keefe. He explained what happened at the event as he attended. And also then uh, Thomas Gould, who is the Sinn Féin Deputy for Cork North Central, he is working on that bill. And the reason he is working on the bill, he has met so many people who suffer from addiction and 
went to him, went to him, well he went to them as well but they went to him to see what can be done regarding the way gambling is affected and run in this country a number of calls and comments on this just getting back to that earlier conversation first of all Lucy says I think we are back in the days of the Galway Tint as a listener earlier said to you when you discussed that situation I listened to the interviews and yes people should be allowed to have a fun day out no one is against that but what is wrong with this situation is that you had a group of politicians who went along to this event knowing that they will be looking at a gambling bill in a few weeks' time. How can they make an honest decision after being wined and dined by those within the Bookmakers Association, those very people which this gambling bill will affect? It's wrong, and no matter if they're independent bookmakers or big players on the market, it still should not happen, says Lucy. Well, that is something that is in the bill now, uh, in the forthcoming gambling bill, that is. And the bill means, when it does go through, events like that will be banned. So there'll be no more events where they can take people to a certain place like Punchestown, wine and dine them. Uh, no one's saying there was any influence on that day, but still, when you are being wined and dined and looked after by somebody, is it going to be hard then to make a, a full judgment call and something that is put in front of you that's going to regulate their industry further? While Johnny uh, on a text to 0862103103 says that is totally wrong. God, aren't we back sit in the days of the boys club in Ireland? When I heard that this morning, I could not get over. I listened to both interviews and yes, no one is saying we should never go out or never go to race meetings. I do attend race meetings, but I'm not the one then who is going to be judging a gambling bill that's coming into the doll soon. I do think titties like this need to cop on and realise what they are going to have any of them remembered what happened with Golfgate. It seems no one has and the problem there is no one was properly prosecuted. If there was a few went to jail after Golfgate you can be sure that no one would have gone along to Punchestown last month, says Johnny on text to 0862103103 and Ian says I have friends who unfortunately did get caught up in the gambling world. They're good now but all the more needs why we need a bill like this to be brought through the doll. Uh, very unfair though of those TDs and Sinisters who went along how can they make a correct judgement when they were wined and dined as we mentioned by those in the gambling uh, industry anyhow your views are welcome on that we'll get back to that I'm sure a lot more calls and comments coming in over the next while and more on uh, lost glasses that were at the race course on Saturday a lot of people were, were out and about at Mallow Racecourse for the uh, racing or for the uh, Mallow Home and Gardens Festival and Mary's in Rathcoo she says so there is a lost and found section at the race course as well so maybe if uh, our guy from Gortmore Dennis if you maybe want to check it out with the race course there is a lost and found section they may have uh, your glasses and very finally hi JP uh, can you tell your listeners that there will be mass in Mocklina Cemetery in Kilmichael and that's going on this evening at 7.30 Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 and Annalisa Trissell joins us from the Health Hub in Banning as usual for a Monday afternoon to you Annalisa Good afternoon John Paul And we've had a lot of questions in so I'll get straight into them this afternoon and first of all this is a 20 year old male and he wants to know what supplements could he take for continuous nosebleeds Oh nothing really to be honest John Paul because probably an issue with um, the capillaries in the top of his nose that are just maybe inflamed and they're they're breaking easily. So 
to take something that would stop the nosebleed in of itself would mean you'd need to start maybe picking the blood, which isn't a good thing. So you'd have to go about it, I think, in a roundabout way. You could take things that just support the health of capillaries and the whole, which would be things like vitamin C is very important. Hawthorne is very good for those blood vessels and collagen is very good for those blood vessels. So a combination of those could work well. But in my own experience, Paul, you have to have those little vessels cauterized, which means the doctor kind of closes them off with a hot, like burns them closed, effectively seals them closed with heat. And that generally is the best solution to that problem. Okay, well, hopefully that works out for that person. And uh, Mary is in Mallow. Mary wants to know, before she goes down the GP route, can you advise her on persistent heartburn and constant indigestion after eating? Okay, so there's probably two things going on there. The first thing is indigestion often happens when your own body's ability to digest food is depleted for some reason. And this happens genetically. It also happens naturally as we get older. Um, It also happens, I suppose, depending on the type of diet that you have. A lot of people will notice that they don't digest fat very well, for example, and that could be a gallbladder issue. Some people notice that they don't digest protein or steaks and meat very well. That tends to be an issue with low stomach acid. So that's not kick-starting the whole protein digestion process off efficiently. So to support your digestion, the simplest route really is to take a digestive enzyme. And these typically are blends of different enzymes that will help you break down your fats, your proteins, and your carbohydrates. And that's very good to help with indigestion. The other thing then, the heartburn, that can come from either having too much or too little acid in the stomach. But the main problem is that the valve that closes off the stomach from the esophagus is weakened and uh, the acid is escaping upwards. Some people will notice as well they have a hiatus hernia, so that pushes the stomach up and forces the acid out. So the best natural solution for that is to take something to strengthen that little muscle, which is called zinc carnosin. That's very good for also um, improving the the stomach's ability to produce mucus that lines the stomach and protects it from acid. So it does a couple of different jobs. That's called zinc carnosin. Now, we haven't been able to get it for a long time. It's just been out of stock. So if you do find it in a shop, buy a couple of them. Um, And then the other thing, of course, is slippery elm. It's lovely. It's kind of a mucilage type of a natural product that coats everything. It's like a natural Gaviscon almost, John Paul. Coats everything with a lovely thick layer of mucus, mucolage stuff, and it protects it from the acid. So that will help with heartburn. And then small small meals, little and often. So eat six small meals a day as opposed to three big meals. And then at night time when you're sleeping, raise yourself up in the bed. So the best way to do that is put a couple of books under the top two legs of the bed. Okay, Billy is in the city. Now, he wants to know, what can he take for perpetual neuropathy? It's basically burning feet. And he is on a tablet called pregabalin, but it makes him dizzy. Any advice for Billy? Difficult one, really. And like some people get feet, some people get burning legs, some people get different sensations. And really, the causes are so poorly known, we really don't know. So the first thing I'd recommend there is a homeopathic remedy called Hypericum. It's spelled hyper, H-Y-P-E-R, then I-C-U-M, Hypericum. And that's a homeopathic remedy specifically for kind of nerve damage or nerve um, inflammation. So you could try that and see would that work. Um, And that's probably the best thing I have to offer really for the burning feet. It's such a hit and miss one, John Paul. Sometimes magnesium can help for people, but it's, it's again, that's a bit hit and miss. 
Um, that's much better for people who suffer from the restless legs more than the burning sensation. And then I think it's always good to go to the doctor and make sure that your iron levels and your folate levels are not too low and your B12 levels. So that would be part of a standard blood test. And sometimes when these three things can be lower if you're deficient, you can get symptoms of, of nerve damage and nerve pain. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Billy. And Sally is in Bandon. Now, her friend has arthritis, but physio does not help. So she sometimes cannot straighten her knee. Is there anything she could take for this? Yeah, I think, so arthritis is basically wear and tear. And what happens between the, the joints, we have a lovely kind of a cushiony cartilage that protects our joints from rubbing on each other. And then in between that cart, those two bits of cartilage, is a kind of a membrane that has synovial fluid in there that acts like a kind of a, a, a jelly cushion between the joints. So with arthritis, the, um, that synovial membrane can become depleted and flatter and then the, the cartilage itself can wear away. And that's really what arthritis is. For the majority of people, it's wear and tear. So you'd get it if you've done a lot of sport, if you work outdoors a lot, um, sorry, if you work with your, like, you know, with physical work a lot, like a lot of outdoor work. Um, and the best thing really is to take a joint supplement. So the, the, there's various different ones. Collagen is one of the best ones. And you'll find loads of different collagens on the market. Collagen got very popular recently, John Paul. A lot of people were taking it for their skin. But the best one for the joint is um, is hydrolyzed general cartilage, marine or bovine. It doesn't need to be anything too fancy. Um then the Nature's Plus actually do a lovely one that also has some eggshell membrane in there. So, you know, when you take the egg out and there's that kind of very thin membrane in the egg, that's actually wonderful for joint support. So Nature's Plus do a lovely one. And then the um, other company, um, Pet Planet Paleo, they do a lot of lovely collagens as well for the joints. Some people like to take glucosamine. This works very well for joints as well, but it takes a long time to see a benefit. So you need to take it for about six months. And then the last thing I would say is the one we get great feedback here on is the GAL UC2 cartilage. Okay, Eileen then will stay on the leg side of things at the moment because she wants to know if you have any advice for her. She suffers from severe painful cramps in the leg, usually from the knee down to the ankle. Anything she could take for this? I think magnesium is definitely the first port of call for that. Now, magnesium comes in different forms. So some people try it and they feel it doesn't work for them. Cheap and cheerful magnesium, John Paul, can act as a laxative. So it's hard to take it in the high dose that you might need to relieve, um, you know, the um, cramps and, and pains in the muscles. So I would recommend that somebody takes magnesium by glycinate. It's spelled B-I-G-L-Y. C-I-N-A-T-E. And that's a very easily absorbed magnesium. It shouldn't affect the stomach at all. So it's easier to take it in higher amounts. And I think just keep trying, keep adding an extra one every day until you reach a concentration where you feel you're getting relief. Uh, you can also get a magnesium cream or oil and you can rub it into the leg as well. But I think when it's so bad that it's cramping, you definitely need to take it as a supplement as well. OK, Dorothy wants to know, what is the best fish oils for arthritis? Now, she has a slight sore, raised hard lump on her index finger. It's on the first joint near her nail. And she has started taking turmeric, but anything else she can take, asks uh, Dorothy. Yeah, the gels are very, uh, sorry, they... Magne the turmeric is a very good natural anti-inflammatory so that is good for general inflammation but when you're looking at something specific for the joint you're better off taking something that supports the actual cartilage of the joint itself 
So the glucosamine, the old style one, cheap and cheerful, does take time for it to uh, work. But the other advice I gave earlier about either taking collagen or taking um, the UC2 cartilage, that's another. They're both really, really good ones for joints. And that lump on her knuckle is probably inflammation and it, the, probably the bone has has kind of gotten a little bit ossified and built up. So she might notice any decrease in it, but what she's really looking for is that the mobility should be improved. Okay, hopefully that helps you out there, Dorothy. And this one, now, I'm not sure if you can answer this or not. Alison making an inquiry. Alison's in her 30s and she started to drink herbal lavender tea recently to help her sleep. Now, she doesn't know if it helped her sleep or not because she did sleep. But what she did notice is, and she wants to ask you, can herbs have a side effect? As she never had dreams and nightmares before, but since she started taking the herbal lavender tea, she's having nightmares and they kind of go as if there's someone coming into her room. And that's the way, which is not a very nice uh, nightmare to have. So uh, could that happen? Look, herbs are effectively are. They have pharmaceutical um, activity, John Paul. It's just that they're generally very, very mild. So I would never rule anything out. The only way to know for sure is to actually stop taking it, um, taking the lavender tea and see do the dreams clear up. Like some, actually some times people who have a deficiency in some of the B vitamins can have very, very vivid dreams. So maybe take a B complex as well just to top yourself up. Um, Now, again, not everybody who's deficient in B will have nightmares, but it can actually can be a symptom. So um, lavender generally is very calming, so it would be highly unusual, but I would never rule anything out. Okay, that's interesting because she has said she stopped taking it now and the dreams have gone away. So maybe it is the herbs. She wasn't too sure. Okay, that's an interesting one. Herbs are very supportive of the liver, John Paul, generally, and herbs will... Herbs also need to be detoxified by the liver. And at night time, our livers are very active. They're very, very busy. Actually, in Chinese medicine, they say that your liver is most active between 2 and 3 a.m. at night. I'm not sure if it's true, but that's the Chinese medicine um, approach. So your liver is like if your liver was very active at night, that could actually lead to um, restless sleep or and if you're restless in your sleep, you're not fully in the deep sleep, you'd be much more likely to remember dreams. So perhaps that's the link there. That could be a possible link and cause. Okay, interesting one. And Maureen is in Domanue. Last week she said you recommended something for anxiety. Uh, So what is the best to alleviate anxiety? Okay, so there's ones that will work to kind of improve your coping skills overall and then there's ones that work to give you an immediate benefit. So I do think it's good to do something for the long term because what it's doing really is it's just propping up your own body's natural ability to cope with stress. And ashwagandha and rhodiola are wonderful herbs for that. You'll get them in any health shop. We love a product here called Stress, S-T-R-E-S-S-V-E-D-A. It's a really lovely high-strength ashwagandha and it has some of the B vitamins for the nervous system as well. And then, of course, Viridian do beautiful blends of ashwagandha and rhodiola together. So I would definitely take something like that for the long term. And then for immediate relief of anxiety, L-theanine can work very well. This is just an amino acid, so it's safe for everybody to take generally, no matter what medication you're on. It's spelt with a capital L and then T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E, N-L-theanine. So that's one that works within 10, 15 minutes of taking it. And the second thing is the um, uh, cannabis oil. So again, that's um, you can get that in different strengths. 
you put a dropper under your tongue and within 10-15 minutes you should feel an awful lot calmer. And the last thing then that can work very well is one that a lot of people actually take at night to sleep because it's so calming and that's valerian and you can get that either in drops or in tablets and Vogue will do a specific one um, that is for the day it's not as strong as the one that people take at night. Okay and uh, the listener here wants to know is there any way you can tell your own body is very healthy without going to a GP? I mean how can you figure out naturally if you have a healthy body and, and you're doing okay? Is, is there any way of knowing that I suppose? You just know intrinsically John Paul so if you don't get sick very often if you've got good energy if your mental health is good if you if you cut yourself and it heals well if you get a cough or cold and you can shake it off that's all signs of a healthy body but in terms of long-term health there's lots of things we don't know like what what is our genetics like and you know oh the other thing sorry i should mention there it's very important to have a daily bowel movement i would also consider that a big marker of good health so we don't really know what's in store for us um the genetic tests they're still in their early stages and instances but it can give us an idea of what's coming down the line because prevention is always better than cure. So if you were, if you did, for example, know that you had the ApoE4 gene, you know that you're increased risk of Alzheimer's and heart disease. So you'd start earlier to prevent it rather than later because better, as I said, better to prevent. But once, once you get an illness, it's very hard to kick it. Okay, very finally, what's the best treatment for post-nasal drip? Nasal drip even. Yep. So the post-nasal drip is horrible and actually we get a lot of people of it now since COVID or have it. Um, it's a difficult one, John Paul. If you have it all year round, it's generally nearly always a, re- a reaction to something you're eating. And I think dairy is the biggest culprit for mucus production. So try cutting out da- dairy for a couple of weeks and see does it clear up and then put it back in. It's not always dairy. Some people would be more allergic to wheat or to um, eggs is a big one, for example. So maybe doing a food intolerance test if you have it all year round. If it comes in the winter mainly, you're probably reacting to moulds in the dampness. So getting a good air purifier in the house can help with that. You could take something to prevent the mucus. Um, There's a few different herbs that will help. Thyme um, is one of them. Ivy is another. Um, Dr. Clare does a great congestion blend, which is a um, a mix of various different ones. Some of our customers would take a teaspoon of that every day as a prevention. That's very good. Um, doing the nasal washout is very good with the saline solution and the neti pot. That's another way to prevent it. But really, it's about trying to figure out why is your body muco- producing mucus? What's the allergy that or the intolerance that's driving it? And then remove it. OK, Annalisa, well, thanks for all the advice today. You're back again with us on two weeks' time because it's a bank holiday next Monday. Uh, so we'll chat to you in two weeks' time. Enjoy the bank holiday, Annalisa. Thanks, you too, John Paul. Take care. Annalisa Drizel there from the Health Hub in Ballincollig, just located across from the cinema in Ballincollig. You'll find all her details on thehealthhub.com. Also, you can listen back and get the information again on c103.ie under our podcast section. We're back again tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.